Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Man, didn't the band do a great job? Come on, I think they need a big hand. Christmas music comes around once of once a year, and they always do a fantastic job of that. In fact, let me just ask you, how many of you have a favorite Christmas song? Come on, raise your hand all over the room. Some of you, it's like Silent Night, Joy to the World. I don't know what it is. I got to tell you here today, I have two favorite Christmas songs. I got 1A and 1B. Come on, right? And my second favorite Christmas song is a little ditty by a little guy named George Strait. Anybody ever heard of him before? right and he sings this little song is called Christmas cookies come on anybody ever heard Christmas cookies and I'll tell you I told you about one of the traditions in our house another tradition that is kind of a new tradition to our house in the Benson household over just the last few years is that Christmas does not start until we have played Christmas cookies come on right and here's what happens when on the day when it's time to get the Christmas tree out and it's time to kind of put all the decorations out and whatever the very first song that gets played I get out the Spotify app and we pull it out and we play a little George Strait Christmas cookies and there might or might not just be a little bit of dancing happening in the middle of the living room and I got the moves y'all I'm just saying I really do and, and I hadn't planned on doing this. In fact, this is kind of a thing that's kind of an inside joke here at LifeGate within our staff. They all kind of know that that's my favorite Christmas song and, and whatever, my second favorite Christmas song and whatever. And so I hadn't planned on this, but a couple of weeks ago, we were hosting a Christmas party for a group of pastors and, and church leaders kind of in our area that I actually kind of lead that group. And we were here at the church. We had this party going on and uh, right here in this room, and we had we had invited this couple to come and sing some Christmas songs, and they kind of had a little country kind of flair to them. And the lady played the you know the fiddle and stuff like that. And so, just so happened, I might have actually suggested it, but they started singing Christmas cookies. And when they started singing Christmas cookies, something just kind of happened. And Dusty, the guy who was singing, he kind of couldn't remember some of the words, and so this kind of happened. Just check it out. get much better than that right there, man. That was worth the price you paid to get in today, I'm telling you. Christmas cookies. And that, man, that's a great song, but there's one. I told you that was my second favorite song. I have a first favorite Christmas song, which is a little more of a traditional kind of a Christmas song. It is, it is actually a beautiful song. We're going to sing it a little later today, and that is the song, Oh Holy Night. How many like that? Man, I love 
that song. And it's so beautiful. The words, the melody is so beautiful. In fact, there's some interesting things about that song, Oh Holy Night. First of all, I don't know if you knew this, but that song was actually written by two guys in the 1800s who weren't even believers. They weren't even Christians. In fact, one of the guys was kind of known for being kind of a wild party animal. But they wrote this song, and it began to catch on, especially in the Catholic Church, so much so that it became one of the most popular songs that were sang at Christmas time. And then when the Catholic authorities kind of figured out that the people that wrote it weren't even believers, they tried to ban the song. But by that time, it was so popular that it had caught on, and they couldn't even get rid of the song. Another interesting thing about Oh Holy Night is it is actually, this is really cool, it is actually the first song that was ever played on AM radio. In 1907, the very first AM broadcast was on Christmas Eve, and the broadcast started by reading Luke chapter 2, what we just read a minute ago, and they sang that song, Oh Holy Night. Pretty cool, right? And there's some beautiful lines in the song, and I want to look at one of the lines in the song today to kind of just be the jumping off point for our message. There's a line that says, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And I think, man, that line must have been powerful back then, but I think that line is even more powerful in the world that we live in today. Because if this world is anything at all, I would say it's a weary world. I mean, you look around and you see what people struggle with. You see the weight that we carry around from day to day. In fact, some of you may have walked into this room this morning and maybe you didn't walk in. Maybe you kind of drug yourself into this room today because your life is filled with weights that you carry around. And you come in today and you say, I'm here and it's Christmas and I'm supposed to be joyful and I'm supposed to be happy and I'm supposed to be filled with hope, but I look at my life and there's so much weariness, there's so much struggle, there's so many stresses that I face in life, and especially at this time of year, it's just like the stress is magnified, it's like the weight is just is just even more in the Christmas season, because man, there's places to go, and things to do, and presents to buy, and you're going, I gotta buy these presents, but then I gotta pay for them later, and how are we gonna do that, and I gotta go to parties, and all the different stuff and there's the crazy elf on the shelf and all the crazy stuff that we do at Christmas time that sometimes just let's be honest sometimes we're just a little worn out a weary world rejoices it kind of reminds me of this guy I want to look at for just a minute today it's a guy named Jeremiah and Jeremiah writes about this in a book of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3, not your typical Christmas sermon kind of a passage, but I want us to look at it a little bit in Lamentations chapter 3, and if if anybody knew about weariness, Jeremiah knew about it, because Jeremiah lived in a day and a time where people were, the people that in the place where he lived had been overtaken by the enemy, and the people were struggling and down and weary and worn, and Jeremiah begins to lament a little bit about the condition of his world. That's why it's called the book of Lamentations. And look what he says in chapter 3 and verse 20. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. 
Jeremiah says, man, when I think about all the struggles of this life, when, when I think about all the things that I'm carrying around and all the weariness of the world around me, here's what happens. I, I feel discouraged. I feel worn out. I feel weary. I feel tired. My soul is downcast. That word downcast, that's, that's a pretty interesting word. In fact, a few years ago, we did a message series on the Psalm chapter 23, and we talked about the, the heart of a shepherd. And I began to kind of study that word downcast and what that means and discovered that it was actually a shepherding term, that, that shepherds would, that, that, that sheep are interesting creatures, that they can, they can kind of fall over on their side. And they're, they're built in such a way that when they fall on their side, it's difficult for them to get back up on their feet. And so they'll, they'll flail their legs and they'll kind of, you know, kind of bleat and kind of cry. But what happens is they wind up getting, getting on their back. And when they get on their back, then they can't get turned back over. And it's a dangerous thing, actually, for the sheep because when they get on their back, they, they start to kind of breathe in and out. Out, but what happens is their stomach fills up with gas and it becomes difficult for them to breathe. And if the shepherd doesn't come along and put them back up on their feet, they can actually suffocate and die from this position. And they call this position downcast. And Jeremiah says, I'm so weary and I'm so tired and I'm so worn. It's like I've fallen and I can't get up. Y'all see what I did there, right? Like my soul is downcast. I'm like a sheep. I'm flat on my back and I'm gasping for air and I'm crying out and I can't seem to get my breath. I'm so weary and so worn from the things that are happening in my life and the things that are happening in the world around me. And honestly, there may be some of you that are here just like that today, that that your soul is weary and tired and worn. A weary world rejoices. And why is it that our souls become so weary? Why are we so worn out and so tired? Why? I just thought about three things. If you're taking notes, you might write these three things down. The first one is simply this. I think sometimes we get weary from the hurts of our past. Isn't that true? In fact, this is what Jeremiah was saying in verse number 19. Look what he says. Notice this word. He says, I remember I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well, and when I remember them, my soul is downcast within me. In other words, Jeremiah is saying, man, there's some stuff, there's some painful memories, there's some things that have happened in the past, and I can't seem to get rid of these painful memories. I carry them around with me everywhere that I go, and every time I think of them, I feel weary and worn out in my soul. And maybe there are some of you that that describes your life today. In fact, maybe some of you have had some stuff that has happened in your past. You're carrying it around and every time you think of it, it just seems to drain the energy. It zaps the life out of you. Some of you, this was your year in 2018. You're going, man, I'm just ready for 18 to be over because the things that happened, people said things and things happened in my life and people did things and I was hurt. And maybe maybe it's I lost my job or I lost a friend or I lost a loved one. And you, you carry around the painful memories of this past year for some of you it's not what what somebody else did maybe it's something that you did that you go I wish I wouldn't have done that or I wish I wouldn't have said that or maybe I should have said that and I wish I would have said that and you carry around all of the pain from your past that just seems to wear you out on the inside 
The weary world rejoices. Why, why are we so weary? Maybe it's the pain of our past. Number two, maybe it's from the struggles of our present. In fact, some of you are here and you're going, you know, I know I've had some stuff happen in my past, but I ain't worried about that so much. What I'm worried about is all the stuff I'm going through right now. Come on, right? Like, I got some struggles. I got some problems. I got some difficulties. In fact, some of you might relate to what Job said. How many remember the story of Job? How many would say Job had a reason to be a little weary and worn out? And notice what he says in Job 4 and verse 5. He says, but now trouble comes on you. And you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Notice those words, so important. But now, he's like, I ain't worried about the trouble of the past. Here's what I'm concerned about is the stuff I'm going through right now. And maybe that's some of you that are here today and you're going, man, I didn't see that coming. Like, I didn't think that was going to happen. Like, like, I don't know how I'm going to get through that. Like, that wasn't part of my five-year plan, you know? Like, I'm carrying this thing around. I don't like it. And it's heavy. And I'm tired. And I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Or some of you are like, you know, maybe you're even looking at your life and you're going, I really thought by now, you know, things would be better. Or I thought, you know, by this age, I would be further along. Or I would be more successful. Or maybe, you know, by this age, I'd be married. Or we'd have kids. Or whatever it is the struggle that you're facing right now you're weary you're worn you're tired maybe from the pain of your past maybe from the struggles of your present number three maybe it's from the anxieties about your future in fact that's some of you it's like you know hey i know god got me through in the past and i know god's gonna get me through now but i'm not really sure how i'm gonna get through the things that are gonna happen later (laughs) like like it's like man i don't know what tomorrow holds and how are we gonna do it and how are we gonna make it through and how are we gonna get through it all and how are we gonna pay the bills and sometimes here's what it is it stresses us out and wears us down is all the what ifs like what if this happens and what if that happens and what if the economy gets bad and what if the company lays me off and what if someone gets sick or what if we can't pay the bills or what if, what if, what if, what if. And many times it's all the what ifs that tend to weigh heavy upon our hearts. In fact, I even think of Jesus. He was fully God and yet fully man. And when he looked ahead to what was coming, when he remembered what he was about to face Upon the cross, even Jesus felt the weight of the future. In fact, it says in the garden in Mark chapter 14 and verse 33, Jesus began to feel deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death, he said to them. In other words, when he thought about what was coming and he knew the pain of the cross, the weight of the future weighed heavy on him to the point where his soul was distressed. And how many know if Jesus felt that, how much more do you and I feel it every day? In fact, some of you have even just kind of gotten used to it. You've even just kind of thought, you know, this is just the way life is in American life, that there's going to be stress, there's going to be anxiety, there's going to be, there's going to be thoughts, there's going to be weariness, there's going to be a tired type of life, and so you might as well just get used to it because that's the way it's got to be. But I'm here to tell you today, I don't believe that's the way God intended it. 
In fact, that's what we celebrate today. This is the reason that Jesus came. He came for a weary world. He came for people who were stressed and for people who were worn out. He came to give hope and rest. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He says, come to me. Everybody say, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and worn and tired and stressed. And what did he say he would do? He said, and I will give you rest. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. A weary world can rejoice today because Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the peace. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the rest for our weary souls if we just come to him. So some of you say, well, that sounds really good, Pastor, but like, I'm really worn out. How do I find this kind of rest that you're talking about? Well, I think, I think David kind of gives us a peek into what that looks like in this, in this passage in Psalm 42 in verse number 5. Notice what he says. He says, why my soul are you, look at that, that word again, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? In other words, David's feeling the same thing we're feeling. I, I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm on my back. I can't seem to get up. I can't seem to catch my breath. I'm so downcast. I'm so weary. I'm so tired. And he says, why am I feeling this way? But then something begins to change as David begins to kind of talk to himself. In other words, I think David kind of even starts to kind of preach a little sermon to himself. And look what he says in verse 5b. Why are you so downcast? So my soul and so disturbed within me. And then look what he says to his soul. He says, put your hope in God. For yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. In other words, he started just kind of preaching a little sermon to himself. Why are you so down? Why are you feeling so weary? Why are you being so, so low? Begin to put your hope in God. Begin to stop looking around at the situations and looking down at your feet and begin looking up to your God. That's where your hope is. And here's what I would encourage some of you guys to do in this holiday season and in those times when you're anxious and worn and weary. Learn to be a preacher. (laughs) Just start preaching to your soul. In fact, just start saying, soul, I don't know why you're so tired. Come on. I don't know why you're so weary. Come on. Can I get an amen in the house? I don't know why you're struggling so much and you're so anxious. You got a hope, a hope in God. You may have had some problems in the past and you may have some problems today, but you got victory coming in your future. Come on, right? You just get the hanky out. You just get your preaching voice and just start preaching to yourself. You may even say amen. You might even preach so good your soul's going to think it's in church and try to take up an offering i'm just saying preach to yourself in fact i'll just give you three little points to preach to yourself when you're weary number one here's what we do we have to remember the faithfulness of god in the past man when i'm weary and i'm worn here's what i do i remind myself of how faithful god has been in fact this is what happens with jeremiah in verse 19 he says i remember my affliction and my wandering and the bitterness and the and the gall and when i remember them here's the result is that my soul is heavy and downcast within me but then it takes a turn he begins to speak to himself to preach to himself and look what he says yet i call this to mind oh i remember the problems and the pain and the struggle 
but I also remember this. And when I remember this, therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We're not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, come on, there's that preaching thing again. The Lord is my portion and I will wait for him. Jeremiah says, oh, when I think about my problems, when I think about my pain, when I think about the hurt, when I think about the struggle, my soul is downcast within me. But when I take my mind off the problems and the struggle and the pain and I put my mind on God, I realize there may be problems and pain, but I'm not going to be consumed or overwhelmed because of the faithfulness of God that he is here and he was there yesterday, but he's going to help me today. That same God that was faithful in the past will be faithful in my life today. And that's what you remember. You just remember, man, if God was with me then, he'll be with me now. You go back and you remember, what was it like before God? And what did God pull me out of? And how did he save me? And how did he change me? And how has he turned my life around? And who has he put in my life? And over and over and over, you can trace the hand of God's faithfulness in your life, which gives you hope in the midst of whatever struggle you may face. You just remember. Everybody say remember. Now, number two, I'm on, first I'm going to remember God's faithfulness in the past, but then number two, I'm going to cry out to God in the present. In fact, that's what David did. David's being chased around by the king. He's hiding in a cave, fearful for his life. And look what he says in Psalm 142, verse 2. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him I tell my, tell my trouble I cry out to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Man, I love the honesty that's there, that David is holding nothing back. He's just crying out to God in the midst of his struggle. And here's what I would tell you. When you find yourself in the middle of a problem, you're weary and worn out from the pain of your past or the problems of your presence. Here's what you do. You cry out to God. He's listening. He hears. You don't hold it back either. I tell you, sometimes we kind of, oh, you know, God help me or whatever. No, 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 no. You tell him how you feel. God, I'm angry. God, I'm hurt. I'm upset. I'm confused. I don't understand. Whatever it is that's on your heart, how many know, guys, God can handle it? In fact, you know what happens? It says he hears it when we call out to him. In fact, The scripture says it like this in 1 Peter. It says that we can cast all our cares upon the Lord. For he cares for you. You know that word cast? I looked it up just to see, kind of get a little bit of connotation for that word. That word cast, the definition is actually to throw something forcefully in a specified direction. In other words, it's not like, oh, you know, God, I'm giving you my stuff. No, it's like, God, I'm giving you everything that I've got. You know what happens? The Bible says when we call out to him, he hears. Amen. See, what do you do when your soul is heavy, when you're, when you're tired and worn, and where you remember the faithfulness of God in the past? You call out to God in the present, but then check this out, number three. You trust God. Everybody say, trust God. You trust God's power for your future. Guess what? God was with you in the past. 
He's with you right now. And guess what? He's going to be with you in the future. No matter what happens in your life, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He holds the past, the present, and everything, even in the future, in his hands. And so all you have to do is trust. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what the day is going to bring. I don't know what it's going to be for me. I don't know what it's going to be for you. But here's what I do know. I know that God is in control of it. And I know that through his son, there's already victory over whatever I might face in the future. And so I just make a decision. God, I trust. That's what it says in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. What is that saying? It's saying, I'm going to trust him with everything that I have. And I'm not going to lean on what I can understand. Oh, you know, I can trust him with the things that I can figure out and the things that are going on right now. No, no, no. I'm going to trust him even in the things that I don't understand and the things that I don't, that I don't know. I'm not even going to lean on what I can figure out with my own mind. But instead, in every way in my life, I'm going to acknowledge him. And what is the promise that he gives? He'll make your path straight. That whatever the future holds, he will lead you through it when you trust in him. He says, I got plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what we celebrate this weekend. That's what we celebrate in just a couple of days. The fact that this world was dark and hopeless. A weary and worn out world. But God sent his son, the hope of the world, that even in our weariness, even in our hurt, even in our darkness, that his light would shine. And that makes all the difference.